What if the party had character sheet? Well, thanks to TikToker Scene 4, we know the answer. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show goes live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, so make sure to hit that subscribe, that follow, that share, ring the, hit the ring, be- ring the bell for to get notified when we go live so you can join us and give your thoughts and share, uh, share the, your thoughts with us on uh and the rest of the community so let's get into it yeah no, uh yes um so uh <laughs> sorry we're also streaming to tiktok and brandon's trying to tag the tiktoker <laughs> so um the party as a whole isn't much different from a character right so why not give the character sheet to your party in addition to the individual characters just imagine it for a moment uh at the start of the campaign or in session zero the players decide what type of adventuring party they want to be and once they know the type of party they want to be this can help them decide on the types of adventures that they want to go on the missions the quests all that jazz this not only helps the players decide what type of game that they want to run but also helps the dungeon master in deciding what sorts of encounters and story hooks to build to leash those uh or hook those players into the adventure real men yep and deciding what kind of party that they want to be really helps with the groundwork for character motivations as well as building the character bonds like are they a religious order who hunts down evil magic users how about a cathedral crew who loves to steal fine art do they hope to be a group of monster hunters who seek out new challenges and whatever they decide it helps set the tone and goals for the characters as well as the party and it kind of helps uh, bring a unified motivation. Yes. So why do we want a character sheet for the party? I know. I know you know. <laughs> well, because the party as a whole can progress beyond just character levels. Instead, we are essentially giving the adventuring party rewards, goals, reputation, and, of course, progression in a field specific uh, to their unified goals. In the RPG, Blades in the Dark. Which I have fallen in love with, so... Damn it! That's another. <laughs> that's another. Uh, Is that a Xbox RPG game? No, it's a tabletop RPG. It, that scene I, four makes me not want to play. <laughs> I didn't know that. I need to look at it now. Yeah. Uh, this is held by a crew sheet. During character creation, the players create a criminal organization or faction they want to be a part of. Now, this this is really cool, and we're going to delve more into this in, in a moment, but the process basically develops uh, allies, enemies, territories, and if you're willing, you can even toss in special abilities, uh, which I think is really, really cool and fits in with some of the uh, mechanics that 5e you know excels at. Um, and what's interesting is it's not dissimilar to a background feature for the players right yeah except it is effective for the entire party which i just think is really really cool um and they share those benefits so it's like everyone having the criminal background um and gaining gaining the criminal contact for instance and still having their other background features 
Um, so the great thing about this is that uh, beyond what has already you know been stated is that over time each of these you know features may grow, uh, continue to grow and become more influential or more uh, effective. That means more renown or more infamy, right? Uh, so as this kind of happens, uh, new organizations become aware and their factions try to influence or ally or even destroy the the the, the parties, right? Mm -hmm. I just had such a dumb thought. If What's you, that? If, you have, if your entire party has the criminal background, they all have a, uh, a uh, an insider, person, uh -huh, right? A criminal contact. But what if that criminal contact happens to be like a different person for each character, but all the criminal contacts happen to be like a different party? Ooh, that could be interesting. Like you're running it with someone else. Dude, I love the, something like that. You could easily get mixed information. <laughs> like these three say this has happened. These two say this is happening, and this. So who's right? That's interesting. Oh. Uh, What's really great about party sheets for your party is that it treats your party as sort of a main character in the story as well. That's cool. Uh, we see this in a lot of popular mediums. Since we are talking about Dungeons & Dragons, we would be remiss if we didn't share the example of Vox Machina. <laughs> People in the Taldore uh, react to the band of mercenaries of Vox Machina with a variety of feelings. <laughs> Not least of which is a uh, Vox Machine? No. No, Vox Machina. What a fucking joke. Uh, Although it could just mean your reputation's that bad. They're making fun of it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking joke. Now this is this feeling is completely independent of a feeling for each individual character, but is for the group as a whole. So now before we get into uh, the Vox the next kind of note we have here, I want to open the floor to discussion. Actually, like one group example we have among us is like when you ran Storm King, King's Thunder, and we had the uh, Azure Crows. Mm -hmm. That one time where we rescued the uh, dwarves from fire giants, but on our way to escape, Joram got stuck in a cave-in, and so there's some dwarves, and Malachite is like, I will save you guys! And he's like a huge spell to br break through the cave-in, mm -hmm. and hit a gunpowder storage in the process. <laughs> yes. I Killing some of the dwarves who were buried, but rescued Joram. It's like, and the dwarves that, who survived were mad. I mean, they knew intellectually it was not on purpose, but at the same time, like, you killed some of our brethren. Yes. And we're like, they don't hate us, hate us, but there's still some resentment. We should probably go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here. So in this uh, the, this crew sheet here, there's a lot of different things that I think that we can uh, use as is, and some things that'll need to be changed. Um, if Alicia, if you'll pop that back up there for us uh, real quick. Um, in this, you can see that, I don't know, can I zoom in here? No. Nope. Uh, other way. I got it. Yep. Um, so here we can see a variety of different mechanics. Uh, the name... The reputation, which obviously every adventuring party needs a ma name, right? I mean, to me, that's super important um, because that's something that the NPCs can refer to you as. And once again, once you have a name and you become known by that, your reputation kind of just being part of that group influences how people are going to behave, right? You can be the most holiest of clerics. In a group of a-holes, and if that group is known as an a-hole, no matter how good you are, you're going to be treated like that. And so I think the Blades of the Dark's uh, crew sheet really does that pretty well. Um, so, uh, of what's on here... Um, That's such bullshit. What? The fact that Azure Crows become Azure Crows until the end of the campaign. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought it was before that. Cause, cause, I mean, I know, like... Um, in the Avernus, at least halfway through, we, be, we then became the Crimson Exiles. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, Avernus was after he did a uh, Storm King's Thunder. Yeah, and that's when we became Azure Crows. Yeah, and I wasn't around. So, 
focus. Uh, so, oh, yeah, there's a show. <laughs> so here, yeah, right? Um, so here, uh, we're looking at the Blades of Dark, and uh, it, it, there's a lot of different things here that I think are interesting. Um, you can see that in the, the top section here, just under, you have a layer in the top left. You also have kind of like rep, uh, rep uh, badges, reputation, and a way to track it. But what's really cool is they have what's known as turf. Now, for me, I would treat this more like territories, right? So if our group is... You know, uh, 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 give me a give me an adventurer group. What's a what's a theme that they, you would pick besides criminal? Because we talked about that already. Uh, adventuring guild. Adventuring guild. Have you got anything? Group of clerics. The voice. Okay, so what is uh, okay? So these are these are good ones. So you got an adventuring group whose sole goal is to spread the word of their holy deity. So let's pick uh, Torm, right? Torm's uh, or is it Helm? Which one's the bat war one? Uh, Torn pounds good. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, so your goal is to take on adventures, but you're also spreading the word. So your reputation would would hopefully follow that, right? Like I remember Brandon saying something about grabbing somebody and dousing a drown or you know sticking them into water and say you're blessed, bitch. You remember that? <laughs> I don't know if you did that or you talked about it, but <laughs> missionary spreading the good word, absolutely. And so this kind of gives us a good outline for that. Um, but it also has uh, cohorts, which would be like, you know, connections, right? People that you're connected to, um, allies, uh, enemies, and it has a little scale for it, which I think is really, really nice. What do you guys kind of think about the, the list having uh, a list of cohorts and allies to track? That's definitely a good idea, and I've seen stuff like that used in other games, granted for individual characters, but for a group, that stuff makes perfect sense. Yeah, and, and that's really cool, too, because let's say... You can expand them on existing backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you have the, uh, the, the, the sage background, right? Which lets you know where some piece of information might be if you don't know the answer, right? So maybe you go to a library to recover some arc lost arcane knowledge. Mm -hmm. And with that, you say, okay, now you have to create an NPC for this area. What? Nothing. You have to create an NPC for this area, and that becomes a... a like an actual contact that the players can add to their, uh, their, their, you know, party sheet or their crew sheet as someone to, as a reminder that, Hey, we know this guy, we have good rep with him. Maybe he's got an answer for us. Uh, shadow wolf Nara says, uh, so this is interesting kind of idea, like how fable great game, by the way, if you haven't played it, agree. And where they, go, uh, more good they do, their scene is better in the eyes of the world and vice versa. And I think that's one of the benefits of having a sheet like this because it tracks consequences. Oh. And then... <laughs> and then there's Saitama from uh, One Punch Man where every time he does something good, everybody somehow sees it in a way that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't he, like, blow up a meteor and then it destroys everything as little blages? Yeah. But doesn't destroy the planet, so... Yeah, the meteor's going to, like, destroy out the entire country because he, like, hit it and it became smaller chunks and it started pressing the city and everyone's reaction was that's the guy that wrecked their houses <laughs> <laughs> instead of the guy that saved the planet yeah um and so this is a really good tool for that having a a party sheet um allows the the party as a whole to become known and you mentioned uh or i mentioned the consequences and you thought that was a good idea and then there's King, who yeah. does absolutely nothing, but how gets all the credit. Takes all the credit, yeah. Not on purpose, to be fair. When I you. saw when I saw that, when I first saw that, I couldn't believe it. Um, so consequences is something that I hear a lot of complaints that my players do this, my players do that, their their characters are murder hobos, blah blah blah. With a party sheet, there is a visual reminder of events 
that they've done, almost like milestones you can document, and that'll affect their reputation as a constant reminder of the crap or their good they're doing, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, B? You ever heard the phrase, one crew, one screw? No, but that sounds hilarious. If one person messes up, you all mess up? Yeah, yep. team failure, right? Yeah, that's, that's what this shit's making me think of. <laughs> and, and and it's more just than that, too, right? So um, not only are you building contacts, but you can use it to uh, detail your headquarters, right? Your lair is what they call it in Blades in, of, in the Dark, right? So you can have these details of all the little things you're getting in your lair are, as a party is now recorded somewhere you know what i mean yep um so what are some stuff you would think would uh uh add? Oh, so there is a section for special abilities this goes back to as the dm if you want to include special abilities for their their goals and those achievements that they have you could right personally i would treat them more like backgrounds where their role play only benefits sure. no combat benefits but yeah. nothing is stopping you from going that route right nope yeah know. So what do you guys think? Would you uh, would you want to add more combat-oriented uh, 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 features to a a crew or party sheet, or do you think you should keep it in the more uh, ambiguous role-playing I'll mechanics? Keep, I'll keep it in the role-playing mechanics because, like, for the combat ones, to me, it doesn't necessarily make sense per se. Yep. If you will, not, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying role-playing aspects or connections just mm-hmm. seems to be more applicable but what you could do if you wanted to go that maybe you have a really great relation with a specific reputation with a specific group so maybe you got a cohorts let's go back to the 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 clerics you know spreading the good word of of helm or whatever um and maybe they get an npc who's a a follower of helm um and maybe when there's so many together they get a you know a blessing or something occasionally that would stay at least within the theme but i definitely think rp yeah like a party buff but i do think that it works best as an rpg uh or a role play mechanic um so dalsinia says uh like calling in the calvary or if uh someone really screws over the team they can sick their crew on the bad guy i like that and that that really goes into the next thing is a party sheet or crew sheet can actually extend beyond the current party And so what I mean by that is how many people love to play multiple characters? So what if you had a party sheet or a crew sheet that had other characters that you could jump in and out of? Troop style. Troop style as part of your entourage, right? Or your cohorts. Oh, we're doing this kind of... The mission, this character would be a benefit for that than this one. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly that. Or like you you and another character have a curse... An ongoing curse where every full moon, you guys switch places with different parties. (laughs) But that's something that could uh, be tied into it. And that would be a really good special ability, I think, even. Um, Once you get enough reputation, people start joining. And it's just your players, other characters. And you swap them in and out. Um, So um, with that, is there anything you think really should be added to this that would take it to the next level besides the... You know, the lair and the, the cohorts and the um, uh, training and stuff like that. Ooh, that's an interesting. We didn't touch on that. Uh, Andrew says... crew levels? Uh, 
not directly, but there, we will get to that. Uh, Andrew says, for battle mechanics, you can keep track of when the team earns a special weapon, like a cannon or siege weapon, or gains the ability to call certain factions to fight with them. I do like that. That would tie in well with the cohorts, right? Yep. And the more people you build up, the more uh, contacts you have to, oh, we got we to gotta attack, a, uh, we got to siege a castle. Well, you know what? Um, Balfour has a, a group of guys that uh, are actually experts in siege engines. So uh, we did him a favor. Maybe he can do one for us. I like that. Yep. So. I keep coming back to the special abilities area. Okay. And that is that because it's a, it's a whole team effort. Mm-hmm. It makes you think of like from shows and anime, like how Power Rangers, when they're all together and they combine their powers, they get a massive Zoid. With your the, powers combined. Oh, that's something different. You, you get a, Sword. you get a <laughs> Captain Planet. Yes, we're the Planeteers. <laughs> yeah, you can be one too. Cause saving the planet is the thing to do. Sorry. Or I love that show growing up. Or like, uh, if you want to have the Gears of War, because it, let's say like you get and get an, uh, on a certain re- religious faction and you gain the a one-time use of the Hammer of Thor, if you will. <laughs> which, <laughs> I like that. Which was a orbital death-themed satellite in Gears of War. <laughs> <laughs> Time to die. Um, so, um, this de- begs the next question. I didn't I didn't think of anything I'd like to add uh, to it. Did you guys have anything? Um, I only thought it was levels. Okay, right? and so, so we're gonna, that's the next that. thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> but you know what I think would be cool? Is if you get a lair, a special reward being lair actions. So if you can fight an enemy in your own, your own like crew headquarters or something, not that that would happen very often, but would certainly be interesting. Although if your own headquarters is being attacked, that's when you know st- st- stuff is screwed up. Getting serious, yeah, it's some serious stuff. <laughs> it's um, like when a Green Ranger suddenly appears inside the Megazord. <laughs> <laughs> and then kicks everyone's ass while they're sitting down on their cans. <laughs> I like that. Um, so you mentioned leveling up. So, Ian... How does one level up a faction or a party faction or party sheet, whatever you want to call it? Access to resources and or um, reputation. Yeah, it's easy, right? Whatever the goal of the party is, right, which goes back to we chose, you know, adventure spreading the word of Helm. Every time we successfully convert an entire village or something, that's a milestone. And you would treat it just like a milestone leveling system, I would think, right? So instead of just the character... Um, and I think this uh, delves into a very interesting question. Um, when you're building your characters, so instead of saying uh, a ca- player developing a character saying, who am I? The players develop a response to who are we? What are we want to do? And I think that's a really uh, nice wow. layer to add that's rooted in a simple more than we want loot, which is pretty common in te- the way it works, right? Or we have to save the city um, turns into I want to say or from I want to save the city to we have to save the city, right? Mm-hmm. But you know it does turn on its head. It does turn uh, its head and allows you to explore it in a little finer detail. Come on, guys, we, we got to say why. Well, for one thing, that's where we keep our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the the thing that I really like about this idea, um, because uh, pr- you could even add uh, progression based on what the party wants as a whole, because not every single person will have the same goals when they're characters, right? Nope. But with something like a crew sheet or a party sheet, everyone decides this is what we all universally agree mm-hmm. that we need to do. And as a DM, do you, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that that would make it easier for you to build adventures? It could be, yeah. And I could easily see a player 
or players keeping track of a ledger, if you will, of their crew instead of just assembling a sheet. Ooh, I like that. Like, like uh, such as like favors, favors owed, favors we can tap into, who we're affiliated with, why, who hates us, who likes us, the party loot sheet. Yes, party loot, not individual loot. <laughs> yes, that is another benefit of the party sheet, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, little baubles and stuff, you're expected to yeah. uh, kind of just hold on to. But a party cr- uh, sheet can track what the party owns as a whole, whether it's a business, whether it's a small horde. Um, maybe it's special, uh, like, trophies or something. I don't I don't know. What are some other examples? Yeah. Well, I was thinking more in the sense of, like, a party loot. Like, I've been in multiple groups where we just... Every time we found loot, we just all pulled together into one spot, and we mm-hmm. just just ask like, "Hey, can we can I withdraw these funds so I can buy this?" Which though it benefits me, this is how it benefits the entire group. Ooh, so that comes back to yep. how how does it help us? Not does it how to help me? Like for example, in my fighter in my Saturday game, I ended up asking group permission to buy plate armor, which everyone was down with because I'm the group tank who aggro's the most. So like, hey, if that means you can stand up longer. And we're not getting hit. We're okay with that. And that's that's and that's a really good example too. Um, so we talked about uh, having like layers and and crew areas where they can hide. Um, yeah. That also means a lot of wealth will be be there. So that also draws threats, right? Uh, uh, Shadow Wolf says I'd also give the DM more ideas of encounters to attack a town that the party's lair will be in. Yes, um, because adventurers are wealthy. <laughs> Why risk your life uh, breaking into a, a, a dragon's horde when you can break into an empty adventurer's home? I'm now picturing a point. <laughs> a, a enemy army sieging and sacking a town only for the party slain flies out of an outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just got a good thought from that too. What's that? Is having the character or the the party sheet is it gives uh the primary goal of everyone that mm-hmm. you were talking about. Yeah. I think that can be a permanent hook solution for yeah. a DM throughout the uh, campaign, saying that this is your guys' ultimate goal. I can still like interweave your guys' little backgrounds in between. But this is what you guys want, so this is what you guys are gonna work work towards. Yeah, um, I think that's really good. And that's kind of uh, the benefit of the, the party sheets because it's each in, in uh, uh, Malkara says in the, the chat that adventurers make enemies. Yeah, it's true. And while that's 100% true, it is, doesn't have to be just an individual's actions that make those enemies. Once again, getting back to the comparison of Vox Machina that, you know, you have some really good people in Vox Machina, um, but and, and some people that are just douches. <laughs> and but it doesn't matter that connection of that party being together automatically puts the NPCs in a situation where they assume how that person behaves, right? Mm-hmm. Expectations for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's one other thing I want to talk about when it comes to party sheets that. I think is uh, something that can be beneficial is not just getting other NPC or uh, getting other characters or your other own characters, part of this, this crew or this, uh, this party uh, sheet, but also NPCs that look up to the heroes. Like, you know, maybe you rescue the party rescues a blacksmith and he goes to their lair and gets added to their, their crew sheet or their party sheet 
and becomes one of the supports for the party while they're there. And so every time they go, they meet with the same NPC that repairs their armors, and you get a sort of role play there um, that delves into the the connection between I need you to fix my stuff, which is usually what you get when you're just going between towns, versus ah, you broke the shit again. What is wrong with you? <laughs> How many times do I have to fix it, armor? I'm getting sick of it. I'll be honest. You know, that's a... Maybe we have to have it fixed. We got it right the first time, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's one of the benefits I think can come out of a, a crew sheet quite well. Um, but also... Ooh, Shadow Wolf, this is a good. It says, oh, idea. We all know PC deaths happen from time to time. They could use the party sheet like an adventure spot open board. <laughs> and a place to uh, keep track of how many deaths there have been. <laughs> yep. The weaves uh, that weaves into the uh, new characters uh, a player may roll up like they had a career uh, talker that was studying under uh, a career stalker, maybe, yeah. that was studying under one. Um, that's another really great example. Um, I want to pull it back to the... Uh, the the NPCs though because that gives us an option an opportunity for services, right? What mm-hmm. nothing services. Um. So, what are some examples of some services that could be part of the party sheet when they're in their lair or they've got these people that can work for them? A specialized alchemists. Ah, somebody that makes potions or somebody that makes magistratives. Ooh, that's really good too. And I think that's a good point, too, because this can be a powerful way to offset what the party doesn't have. Yeah. So let's say you have an entire group that doesn't have an arcane caster. Hiring someone onto your party sheet it will be a constant reminder that, hey, if I go here, I got this person we've hired that will take care of in, uh, identifying weapons or imbuing them with um, magical essences. Or a, uh, a priest who can raise the dead. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Again? This is the third time this week. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're going to have... So is there a resource for that? Yeah, diamonds. So, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, Bill. Uh, I spent the last diamond on the last time you died. <laughs> you're out of trouble till you get me more. Uh, what does uh, Malker say there, uh, Brandon? Uh, Malker, um, also each player may be tied to a different organizations and do work for those organizations, which then makes the other organizations become their enemy. Ooh. That was actually a... That's, that's a good one. Oh, what, what game is... GTA's like that. Yeah. You are now my sworn enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already have three of those. Dulcinea, <laughs> gave, <laughs> Dulcinea <laughs> gave us a good list. An enchanter, an alchemist, or a doctor would be good. Oh, or a dungeonologist. Somebody that helps with lord domes and navigating <laughs> traps. Or, that's cool. Deceased. Or a chef. Receased. What? Or a chef. Ooh, a chef. Yeah. Blurick would like to have learned. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Yeah. I, I hadn't actually thought about having an NPC that's yeah. a lore dump for the world, somebody who's constantly uh, researching. Yeah. Play me monsters you kill. You slay it, I play it. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of a stable hand that Shadow Wolf's giving, druid, clerics, all those different things that can be powerful tools to the players in their um D D game. Uh, or they're adventuring and it almost you almost and it doesn't have to be just you know their own personal thing some of it might be tied to something they want to do i'm a thief i'm a rogue i want to own my own thieves guild mm-hmm. you could use a party sheet for that what doesn't darn one like that very much will they <laughs> they'll be out to get you 
<laughs> um, is there anything else we want to touch on by this? I think this is a really fun idea. I think it can really go pretty far. There's a lot you can benefit from having a crew sheet. The biggest one being it's easy to organize the motivations of the party as a whole instead of just the individual players. But don't let that bypass the individual player goals, though. Andrew's like, a gun on a chef might be able to get bonuses of something came before they go up on the next quest. I'm like, there's a feat for that. I've discovered there a new recipe. I got it. Which means... What if the NPCs you have working for you in your guild hall or whatever has said feats, which gives you said benefits when they do their st- stuff for you? So see previous episodes where we talk about giving NPCs feats, because I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, and that could be part of the, the, the leveling process of the of the party, right? Yep. <laughs> what? Makara, uh, uh, one of the Shadow Wolf, uh, a beastmaster to tame animals like hounds or horses as well to help protect their lairs. I'm just wondering how much more stuff we need to get closer and closer to becoming villains. Um, that's awesome. So it's, it's like Superior Spider-Man? Oh my goodness, that's <laughs> such an awesome arc. If you don't know, that's when Doc Ock changes bodies with uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man and yeah, it's weird. He's but better, awesome. but he's better. He's just better. He's more brutal, too. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so, um, oh, that's a really good point. Uh, Shadow Wolf just made another great put. Man, you got. I, I'm loving this. I'm loving the active comments right now. Weapon master to help teach them to use weapons faster. So this could lead into excellent um, options for multiclassing. Now, mechanically, we've talked. You should be able to multiclass at any point. But if you're one of those stuck up DMs that feels like you need a, 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 a RP, First eh, off, I hired a guy. And <laughs> it's off, in the lair. And second off, relax. Oh yeah, <laughs> relax. There are a lot of DMs I know who really need to take that advice. Yeah, for sure. And skills, too, right? Um, that's the other thing. You can have an NPC you hired that might have a specific skill. Uh, I think that it'll do it for our main topic today, adventuring party sheets. We do have a link in the blog to the uh, to the actual crew sheet um, from uh, Blades in the Dark. Uh, definitely check out Blades in the Dark. It is a very cool game. Um, I am loving what I've read, so... I need to sit down and read the actual book. Some good shit. I have um, the book. I just need to read it. So <laughs> <laughs> one of those things you buy and just kind of sits in a corner? Like my, um, Mistborn RPG. There's a Mistborn RPG? Yeah, so I actually wrote material for it. Um, and that'll be the <laughs> end of our show today. Yep. I had no it, idea. And it actually does have crew mechanics on there, too. You're just now bringing this up. Is there anything different about that? I haven't played it. <laughs> I, I just know that you build your characters as a group first. So yeah, That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so that'll do it uh, for our main topic today. Um, I want to uh, uh, take a moment to talk about our new Patreon rewards. If you enjoy the content... Uh, that you're seeing here and you want to be part of the community. Uh, we are doing, uh, we've just revamped some of our Patreon tier rewards with more fat loots because, you know, I had already plenty of time to, to write. Why not add more, right? Um, and I want to talk about some of the new ones, actually. One of the things that I really love are NPC cards um, where you've got like an art piece of an NPC. Uh, so we decided to take tarot, make tarot card size uh, printable cards. On one side is a nice piece of artwork done by the Brandon. Yeah. Uh, and he's been doing really good uh, work. And then on the other side for the Dungeon Master is personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. 
And these are uh, every week we're releasing a new one, and our patrons are uh, really give, giving us great feedback. They like the the the, the uh, versatility of them, and the fact that you can just pull it up and, and show your players. The other thing we did is I'm a huge fan of uh, com- compo- spell components, something that nobody uses anymore, right? Uh, yeah. To be fair, it did get pretty tedious in the past, <laughs> and, and, and I understand that. But from now, it's mostly just role playing. Yeah. And so what we did is we created magical spell components. Yeah. We call them spell reagents, little uh, items that you can that get consumed during the spell casting that buff it. My favorite one is one of the art pieces you did for the. Um, oh, she pulled up the Scorch Rose. I guess I'm talking about that. So here, <laughs> here's the Scorch Rose on the screen right now. And it says, this red and orange flower looks much like a rose with a flame tongue at its center. It can usually be found around lava pits or near an area where lava has flown recently. It is an uncommon reagent. So when you cast a spell of first level or higher, it deals fire damage. You can add a Scorch Rose to the material components. And if you do, the target takes fire damage from the spell, must succeed a con save, or or begin burning for an additional 2d4 damage at the start of each of its turns and of course it had kind of used an action to put it out and it's a nice consumable little item uh that you can give to your players and they can just give a little oomph like a consumable potion for spells only so um you can see we got the orc sm- smuggler on there which is pretty fun so if you want to support crit academy please consider uh heading out, heading on over to patreon.com slash crit academy and checking out some of our content we are always putting out so much content that i don't have time to have a real life that's why he's giving <laughs> it to us now oh, yeah. and now what you've all been waiting for our unearthed tips and tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Well, to start off with, and this comes from one of our Crypt Nation members, Zach Albright. Meatmaker. Here's <laughs> a male Goliath. Meatmaker is close to eight feet tall with a very muscular build. He wears only loose-fitting elk furs and elk skin trousers. He carries no weapons, but when enraged, grows fangs, claws, and a spiked tail. Oh, I wonder which barbarian archetype they picked. <laughs> <laughs> For his personality, despite his appearance, Meatmaker is actually very sweet and routinely displays dog-like characteristics such as walking around with his tongue hanging out, circling his bed three times before lying down, and has heightened sense of smell and does a doggy happy dance whenever he sees a turtle. <laughs> Meatmaker meat can't read or write, but is an absolute genius when it comes to cooking meat he can turn almost any meat into the tastiest treat that you've ever had meat maker is unfortunately uh unfortunately developed the trait that every time that he lies and he is compelled to mention turtles and sometimes i mean the feeling you may not want to know what he did to make it tasty <laughs> oh <laughs> this is due to trauma that he experienced as a child when his mother who also taught him all of his cooking skills Cooked Meat Maker's pet turtle, <laughs> fed it to him, and then lied about it. <gasps> meat Maker was traumatized by the experience and now mentions turtles every time that he lies. <laughs> this has led to much confusion whenever he is actually talking about turtles and not lying. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You're an asshole. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, his history, Meat Maker grew up in a Goliath tribe and lived in the mountains. During a, This really sounds a lot like Brick, uh, I, I swear to God. Um, during particular long winter, uh, when Meatmaker was in his youth, the tribe experienced a shortage of food. This is when his mother resorted to cooking Meatmaker's pet turtle and fed it to him. When Meatmaker, 
Maker reached adulthood. He left his tribe as and bounced around various mercenary companies, mainly serving as a cook. During his travels, he forgot where his tribe was from and hasn't been able to find them again. <laughs> and as motivation, he wants to find his family again, and he also wants to find all manner of exotic meats and spices to perfect his craft. He also hopes to open his own turtle pet shop one day. Um. So okay, I am. Uh, you. So everyone knows I am part of a show called Initiative and Intrigue. Yeah. And I play a Goliath chef, who, during our adventure, we were carrying a turtle, and he constantly wanted to cook it. So I'm starting to draw some very strong parallels, uh, to Brick and this meat maker. I'm just saying. That motivation though makes me th- think of that one anime where they, a, a magical kingdom need a hero. Accidentally, it's like hide a pro wrestler. <laughs> and, Double drop. And, and his entire motivation was, you want me to see at the kingdom? Screw that. I'm opening my own pet shop. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the exotic monsters there are for you to sell. <laughs> uh, overall, what do you guys think about this character concept? It's fun. I think it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's pretty. The, the whole Would feeding like of his own pie? pet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what if he tur- uh, served it in the, st- the turtle shell as like a stew? As a bowl. Yeah. Also a brick thing who's got a giant turtle shell on his back that he uses as a cooking walk. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our character concept, Meat Maker. Now, I'm going to take this moment to let everyone know this will be the last character concept on the show. Yeah. I want to extend our focus on the main topic without extending the length of the show. And that meant because of the votes that you also lovingly cast... That was the one your, that got dropped. We fucking hate your character. No, 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 I just got the lowest votes, that's all. Did you hear that, guys? If you actually like this this concept, you to vote. It's your fault. Yeah. It's actually not so bad, though, because it gives us more time on the main topic. Which is, which yeah. if, we if had talked guys, about a couple times. Yeah, if you guys haven't noticed that near the end of the main topic, we start, like, pinching it out and squeezing it out. I was like, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. <laughs> pinching it out. Yeah. You gotta pinch it off and pull them up. Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> no need to wipe. <laughs> Here's a bit of wisdom for you. It takes three times the wipe to know you only need a two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our monster, the witch doctor. Ian, do you want to talk about it? I'm glad it's not the only one who thought about that. Uh, <laughs> the origin of uh, the witch doctor is the Hezro. And, well, honestly, like in the other monster variants we have, we lose and alter some features. Resistances are then changed to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical, non-adamantine items. They have immunity to poison and poison condition, and they lose their stench, language, telepathy, and bite and claw attacks. What do we get, Brandon? The new feature says Plague Aura, three a day. As a bonus action, the witch doctor can pour a vile concoction over its body. Mmm, rubs it all in. For one minute... (laughs) When another creature that starts this turn within 10 feet of the Witch Doctor must succeed on a DC 15 con save or be infected brutal. with the Sewer Plague. That's in the DMG. It's yeah. brutal. Yeah. If the creature failed to save by five or more, they also gain a level of exhaustion. Holy shit. Don't miss. That's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> on a successful saving throw, the creature is immune to the Witch Doctor's aura for 24 hours. What is Sewer Plague? Um, be well, pull that up and we'll talk about that after we get through this here. Um, so the poison dagger is, uh, you get also the poison dagger, which is a melee arranged weapon, um, that does one piercing damage and, or, uh, five piercing damage 
and the target must succeed another D- uh, must succeed a DC 15 con save or be poisoned for one minute. The poisoned creature is paralyzed. That's brutal. <laughs> Keep in mind this is a CR8 monster, so. Uh, and the creature can repeat its saving throw at the end of each turn, uh, ending the effect on a success. Poison. Okay. Poison dagger's a taser. <laughs> okay, I'm going to skip to the, to what it does. It sewer takes, plague. Yep. It takes 1d4 days for a sewer plague symptoms to manifest in an in, in infected creature. Symptoms include fatigue and cramps. The infected suffers one level of exhaustion, and it regains only half the number of hit points from spending hit dice, and no hit dice at all from finishing a short rest. At the end of each long rest, an affected creature must make another DC-11 constant throw. If they fail, they gain one more level of exhaustion. On a successful save, the exhaustion level decreases by one level. And if a successful saving throw reduces the infected creature's level of exhaustion below one, then they recover from the disease. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Many things, but we've known this. Yes. Uh, we're going to touch more on that in a second. Uh, oh it's going to get three legendary actions. Uh, it's going to get about a- the blowgun. What? Oh, I missed the blowgun. You missed the blowgun. Do you want to tell me about the blowgun? <laughs> it's also a ranged attack. It's a poison blowgun ranged attack. Uh, it's a plus six to hit. Uh, range is good up to 30, disadvantage up to 120. I just learned that last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> one creature does five damage or 1d4 plus three. Uh, piercing damage and the target must six, must make a DC 15 con save. Uh, taking 24 or 76 poison damage Ooh. on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. All right, that's pretty that's brutal. a lot for a blowgun. Yep. Uh, it's going to get three legendary actions. It can make an attack... Uh, with one of its uh, blowguns, what, or dagger. <laughs> Three darts is too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to get detect, uh, where it can make a wisdom perception check. And we're going to give it uh, Plague Swarm, which costs two actions. The witch doctor points to a space it can see within 30 feet and conjures a swarm of insects. The insects are friendly to the witch doctor and its companions. Roll initiative for the summoned creature as a group, which have their own turn. They obey any verbal commands the witch doctor issues. No action required by uh, the witch doctor. Um, if the witch doctor doesn't issue any commands, they basically just defend themselves. Um, uh, does the plague swarm also initiate uh, exhaustion thing? What? No. Uh, you know, because you're a monster like that. <laughs> <laughs> so Alicia's showing the wonderful art piece for our witch doctor. Um, if you don't know, all of our monsters get fully fleshed out backstories. It looks like Voldemort went to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> backstories, uh, beautiful stat block, beautiful artwork layout, um, and uh, player character uh, lore checks you can feed them, all that jazz. So let's talk about this this little bastard here. Um, yes, he's a terror. Uh, so I just want to point out, my editor asked... What good is an effect that takes place 1d4 days later? What happens when that 1d4 days later is in the middle of a dungeon? Or worse. (laughs) People start assuming that, oh, they're sick because of something that's here. In the area, yes. Yes. That's it. One of the most confusing things to a character and the player is when they're stricken by something but don't know where it came from. That is terrifying when I just say, you gain a level of exhaustion. What the fuck happened? How terrifying do you think that would that be as a player? Uh, you're also bleeding from your anus. <laughs> <laughs> your eyes, your anus, pretty much any hole. Yeah. <laughs> and it burns, and you got cramps. Um, so that was the so reason for that. Got it. Yes. So that was the reason for that. It's definitely later. There is a cha- chance of uh, hitting them up with exhaustion right away. 
Uh, Rick says, reminds me of the awesome write-up for blowguns in your weapons book. I forget its name. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, if you haven't picked up Weapon Perks, you certainly should because it's single-handedly one of our best sellers. Everybody loves it because weapons need more variation. Uh, Dulcinea says, one of my players got hit with the (laughs) eye rot and thought they got through it, but then it kicked in 1D4 hours later and they've been paranoid ever since. Yes! Dulcinea, I love you. (laughs) I I thought it was so funny. Uh, oh, my eyes are bleeding. I couldn't make the last game, but uh, the game before then, the patron game that we were doing, yeah. uh-huh. you kept trying. I had me roll a con saves. And I kept saving. I was like, "Fuck! I really want you to get eye rot." <laughs> like, I don't Did think I you're say supposed that? to. Yeah, because like I don't think you're supposed to say that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so let's talk more about this actual monster here. Uh, so the poison dagger for the paralysis is just perfect. Witch doctors aren't, um, uh, they, they don't have a lot of hit points. They're not meaty like they should be. Um, so they weaken their targets before they kick their asses. Um, obviously the blowgun is the highest source of damage that it does. Um, another question I got asked. Anyways, the other question I got asked <laughs> is <laughs> the other question, and, and I, I I love uh, my my I proofreaders. Thank you so much, uh, Peanut. You're awesome. He goes, why does a monster, or he says, have you ever seen a monster with a legendary action just to look around? And my answer is, when you play with a lot of rogues, that is a necessity. If that's all he's doing is looking for rogues that are hiding and darting around, it's worth it. I promise. Um, reduce that. In, uh, and, of course, the summoning the plagues and stuff, that's totally a Diablo thing, right? They conjured insects and, and toads and shit, right? Now, think about that yeah. one time in 3.5. So, question. Why a wild shape into a 800 Hydra? Do I get eight perception checks? No! <laughs> <laughs> you already get advantage, asshole! Uh, all right. Anyways, uh, that'll do it for... Uh, do you guys like this monster? Yes. Yeah. Are you sure? Because that didn't, that didn't, that wasn't very uh, enthusiastic. It's super dangerous, but yeah, I still like it. Yeah, well, I'm a bastard. Oh, look at that. So, uh, thank you, uh, um, our wonderful Alicia, for she had snipped the blowgun. Uh, and it's it comes with the sleep dart, which you can take an action to make a ranged weapon attack and on, uh, on a hit roll a d, d8, uh, 48. Uh, if the creature's hit points is less than that, they just fall asleep. Uh, and then you have poison dart that uh, forces them uh, uh, save or be poisoned. And our weapon perks basically are anybody proficient in the weapon can gain those perks. That gives the players a little more incentive to do what? Hmm, I wonder what. Try out the other weapons to start, right? See what they do and change them for the situation. So if you haven't picked up weapon perks, you really need to. It's Everyone just loves it. And I'm not just saying that because we made it. <laughs> Sorry, am I boring you? No. It's currently Platinum Bestseller. I forgot about that. All right. Holy so shit. how about we move on to our encounter of the podcast? Brandon, if you're awake, can you tell us about it? The encounter is... Oh, my God. The encounter of the podcast is an alchemist sticky situation. <laughs> Son of Black Anvil, a female dwarf mage, keeps a stockpile of assorted concoctions, potions, and other strange herbs and mixtures inside of her vault. Uh, the door to her vault is solid iron with intricate molds displaying a bold anvil used as a table with alchemic mixtures placed Ooh. on top. The door is sealed with the arcane lock spell. <laughs> to protect uh, vault's contents, she set up a large clay jar filled with black, sticky, flammable liquid. A special concoction of her own through experimentation. Fucking napalm? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
The concoction's core ingredients are Sovereign Glue, Alchemist Fire, and Flint and Tinder. She nicknamed the mixture Ember Oil. The door is rigged in a way that anybody opens the door triggers her trap. Oh, yes. What is ember oil? I'm so glad you asked. It is a mechanical trap. When a creature opens the door, it triggers a tripwire that spills the combustible liquid from a jar. Wow, that is just so generic, Justin. <laughs> it's basically the old bucket over the yeah, door. Yeah, it opens up. She's sitting in the corner. Gotcha, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Touch of the match. A, a successful DC 15 wisdom save is necessary to spot the wires tied to the door. When the trap is triggered, the jar spills out to a 5 foot by 15 foot line. It just spews out. <laughs> a creature in the area must then succeed a DC 15 deck save or take 1d4 damage. Well, that's not very much. At the end of each of its turns. Oh, okay. That's not bad. But wait, there's more. (sighs) Additionally, the sticky nature of the ember oil makes movement difficult. The creature's speed is halved. It takes a minus two penalty to AC and dexterity saving throws. It can't, and it can't use reactions. On its turn, it can use either an action or bonus action. Not both. (laughs) Regardless of the creature's abilities or magic items, it can't make more than one melee or ranged attack during its turn. But wait, there's more, because Justin's a dickhead. If the creature attempts to cast a spell that requires some components with a cast time of one action, roll a d20. On an 11 or higher, the spell does not take effect until the creature's next turn, and the creature must use its action on that turn to complete the spell. If it can't, the spell is wasted. I, I'm what the fuck? <laughs> I'd actually have surprised you didn't make it where if they try to cast a fire spell, it lights the, the oil on them on fire. Yeah, uh, that would be interesting. I did not think about that, because that's cool. On a, six, <laughs> on a successful DC uh, 18 intelligence investigation check, allows the character to deduce the trap's trip line and use a thieves' tools check to disarm it. Requires a DC 20 to, to disarm it. Uh, disconnecting the wire from the door. Unsuccessful attempt at disarming. Triggers the track. Kaboom. Now, here's where it gets really bad, Ian. Yep. <laughs> this effect can only be removed by using universal solvent. Oil of etherealness, lesser restoration, or similar effects. You can't put out the fire. <laughs> yeah, isn't Alchemist Fire a real thing? Yeah, it is. Like, it, um, it's a flame that cannot be put out with water? Well, that's Greek fire, actually, but yeah. Greek fire. Greek fire, fire. that's what I'm thinking of. Well, anyways, the, 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 the glue that use, is used it stops it from uh, getting removed very easily. Or phosphorus. Uh, um, so, it's, it may not be very much damage at 1d4. But you need special materials or spells to get rid of it. So congratulations, you're a walking torch. So one d four every six seconds out of combat. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> Just ow. Ah! Ow. Ow. <laughs> uh, yes, Andrew, you nailed it. It's a slow plus fire in a bucket. I like it. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a really fun encounter, and we don't run into enough traps triggered by like set up like something like this i think in in games and we need more of them i know i need to add more of them so i wrote this one so now you're gonna be happy merle's dead okay <laughs> what what if you get <laughs> his character died recently it was a sad day it was a sad day he's also the one that has all the knowledge to get their asses back their city back to toril oh, although technically jorm could have i recommend that <laughs> Yeah, probably. Stop, drop, and re-roll. <laughs> <laughs> so he used to make that a song. Stop, drop, re-roll that shit. Because <laughs> uh, it's fucking hot. 
Rick Stevens, thank you. That, yeah. that, uh, that hurts. That's hilarious. Ow. Oh, my goodness. What if you get the players who are like, oh, let's try to bring science into this. And so I hold your breath, and they put them in a bag of holding where there's no oxygen. What does that have to do with anything? Well, you need oxygen you, for playing the burn, you so. No, you, you need that in our world. But you also can't make a wish and make things happen in our world. So fuck their science. Ooh, it's a vacuum chamber, right? Wouldn't it still work? It's magic fire. Fuck off. It's magic. Fu- <laughs> <laughs> Don't you bring your science into my D and D game? If it's magic fire, then would this spell magic get, release the fire? Bitch. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you shut your mouth. No, this is where, as a DM, if a player comes up with something like that, fucking roll with it because that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Exothermic reaction requiring oxygen. All right, let's uh, move <laughs> on to our... That'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, uh, The Alchemist the Sticky, sticky Situation. situation. Uh, and if you like this sort of stuff, you can head on over to our website and find the stuff, the details in our blog. Or if you really want to support us, pick up some of our uh, our, 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 our magazines and stuff that have this you stuff. You just go to creativecanon.com. We got a lot of free products, Today's magic item is made by Willie Chris Well of Wondrous Items. Ooh. Who? The Battlecaster's Brooch of the Unknown. It is a wondrous, very rare item, which requires attunement, and the creature attuned to this magic item gains Brooch. the following benefits. While wearing this equipment, when hostile creature's movement provokes an opportunity attack from you, you can use your reaction to cast a spell at the creature rather than making an opportunity attack. This spell uh. must have a casting time of an action and must only target that creature. Now keep in mind... Additionally, you have advantage on con saving throws that you make to maintain your concentration on the spell when you take damage. And, actually, I guess that's your... Uh, you are hidden from divination magic. You can't be targeted by such magic or perceived through magical scrying sensors. While wearing this equipment... Wait, did you already read that part? He yes. sure did. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> what do you guys think? I kept on going, didn't realize. That's okay. Yeah. Um, i just like to take a moment that um, our boy Rick Stevens says... That needs to be on a shirt. It's magic fire. Fuck off. <laughs> and Delcinia said she'd buy it. <laughs> okay. Now, I do, I do have to ask, when it says a casting of action must only target that creature, <laughs> that means only a single target spell, correct? That's how I would interpret that, yes. Okay, because I could easily see some people interpreting it as, so if I cast fireball, but only hits them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're right. I'm just I can see that. As firebolt or magic missile and yeah. such. This is pretty straightforward. Um, it, it's uh, not super complex, but little magic items like this sometimes just need a little attention. Um, and, I mean, basically, you're, you, it's a part of a feat at this point, I think. Isn't it that is. one of the feats? Yeah. So, answer, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um, I also like the divination magic can't uh, target you. Um, that's a huge thing for me. Um, because there's, there's, yeah, there's people <laughs> watching my players right now with magic like that. Yep. No, I don't expect your character to change and take actions. I bet you there's somebody spying on me cause I didn't mean to say that out loud. I mean, it's different characters. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that'll do it for our magic item. The battle casters brooch of the unknown. As Ian said, it is created from our product, the, the Whitaker's well of wondrous items, which is a magic item generator. And, once again, I think we actually got a pretty good re- reception from that one. Yeah, a lot of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of sales, so thank you for everyone that supports us. All right, our Dungeon Master tip, locations where adventure begins that aren't in a tavern in Dungeons & Dragons. 
In a fantasy setting such as Dungeons & Dragons, most quests and hooks start from popular gathering locations, which makes sense. These are usually common areas such as inns, taverns, or town halls. While these are a tried and tested method, there are many other locations that can be found in most villages and cities that can help change up the opportunities for heroic characters. <laughs> Part of the job of the Game Master is to constantly drop in adventuring hooks for the players to latch onto. Get that, players? Take up. While job boards and skulking cloaked figures in the corners of taverns are nice, and let's be real here, a lot of people actually do like them, despite some people being vocal about hating them. <laughs> Sometimes we want to change it up to freshen up the game a bit. In our blog, we've talked together five locations <laughs> where adventurings can, can begin that aren't taverns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gates! The entryway to a city is often guarded to some extent. Depending on the risks of the to the community, it may or may not be a lot. Uh, but in general, even small villages have some sort of militia patrolling the area or protecting an entire or, entry or, or, or protecting an entry point or two. I'm blind. City gates or similar ports of entry often have herds of people standing in long lines to enter. This is particularly true if the location is a prime spot for merchants to pass through. I I can definitely picture like some like a like a like a two adventurers thing in line. Hey, you got a great sword. Yep, I have a great axe. How many limbs have you chopped up in one swing before? What? <laughs> Three. When, nice. do we, when do we get to the ride? I was going to say, the ride. at what point does it become an excellent axe? All right, so <laughs> this makes the point of entry into a village a in city a great place to hear rumors from those waiting to enter. The chatter can easily reveal recent monster attacks, disappearing citizens, notable events between noble houses, and even special events that are ongoing. If you want to help bring your world to life, you can instead describe events or other oddities that may stand out to the characters waiting at the entry point. A great example of this may be several of the folks in line have red eyes, it with uh, uh, clearly burning vision, asking around, offering or a simple knowledge check could reveal that the characters uh, the, that the char to the characters that a plague or monster uh, effect is the result, either in their area that they're running from or about to be spread by this person with the burning eyes. That would be I rot. <laughs> um, it is worth noting that this is only one of many from a entire blog that we wrote uh, i think there was five so there's four more of these on our blogs at our website at criticademy.com slash blog check it out you can read about all the other ones what do you guys think about this dm tip i think it is particularly fantastic because too many adventures start in taverns me not enough <laughs> too many adventures start to hell fucking uh dragon high starts in a freaking tavern um, so does uh, almost everything in the book of the Yawning Portal. Because, you know, the, the Yawning, Yawning Portal is a tavern. A dungeon, a tavern <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want that book. With a dungeon underneath it, yeah. All right, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Locations where adventure begins that aren't in a tavern in Dungeons & Dragons, check out our blog. Get other ones. Keep those on the side of your paperwork. Or on the side of your DM screen. You're welcome. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. And you, 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 can avoid you. dickitude... By not making witch doctors. <laughs> that's a good, Ro that's a good uh, by role-playing an artificer. 
Artificers are as much artists as they are technicians. They see through gifted eyes, perceiving loosed magic energies flowing around them. And with practice skill, they pluck those loose bits of metamagic to form it into useful objects and enhancements, layering eldritch power into their allies' weapons, armor, and other gear to to augment their natural talents. By using the same techniques, artificers can cobble together useful devices by imbuing them with arcane magic into the bits and pieces they carry with them, sometimes to create simple devices to destroy their enemies, and other times to create traps and obstacles for their foes. They could also craft useful and obedient servants. <laughs> Are you alright? I'm gonna point something out to you that's fucking hilarious. You're sitting there, it's like, the spells of one artificer, you're doing all this hand motions, you're describing all this stuff, and I realized that the people watching can't even see it because we got a guard up it's because i'm animated when i talk okay super the tic tac people can see it which is why your mic got knocked knocked yeah more than once yep spike check still good i would assume do they hear you i hope check yeah we're good uh the spells uh one artificer learns might be similar to oh damn it (laughs) might be similar to those mastered by another uh but the differences in technique vary based on culture and heritage how an artificer learned his or her craft often influences the essential characteristics common to artificers. Now, I think that's actually a good point you mentioned that I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the artificer. Like, I've seen too many people saying, I don't allow artificers in my game because I don't allow high technology. I'm like, well, did you read the artificer's description? Because one example they literally gave, gave is empowering an item by taking a quill and drawing a symbol on it. Does that sound like technology to you? <laughs> He's really passionate. Yeah, and... <laughs> I've never played an artificer, so I don't know. Yeah. And it's just died. F- for that matter, they... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically just just like a spell cancer. They just are item-focused in mm-hmm. how they do it. So Yeah. I feel bad. Yeah. As a result, you can showcase how, cult- how cultural knowledge no, and tradition <laughs> might modify how an artificer approaches <laughs> the magical techniques he or she masters. Since these feats are all designed for the heroic tier... Any artificer that meets the prerequisites can take these feats. What Robert J. Schwalm, <laughs> Dragon Magazine, 387. Yes. Um, uh, ignore the parts about the feats. Um, this is from Robert J. Schwab's article in Dragon Magazine for 4th edition. And there goes half our audience. <laughs> um, Andrew says, in a game streamed by Old Dominion Heroes, one of the players is a Warforged artificer whose leg contains a bag of holding. So he has a leg of holding. That is awesome. So this is just uh, something to remember when you're playing something like an artificer. um, Don't be afraid to bend the flavor of things to fit a particular theme. To me, if I'm to play, let's say I'm going to play a dwarven artificer. I'm going to flavor everything to be dwarven. Like one of my turrets might be a freaking walking anvil that just would blast things out of it, you know? I'm picturing a... uh... A miniature, like a beer barrel with like a spare legs with a turret on top. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But that, but see, that's what I'm talking about. This is 100% just flavor. So when you're playing your artificer, think about where they came from and what their their influences can, can how they can affect the things that they can create and the way that they create yeah. things. Um, do you have anything to add, Brandon? It looks like he's texting. I was looking at TikTok stuff. No. <laughs> if you enjoy the show and want to support us, visit us at criticamy.com. Follow us on social media and please leave us a review. <laughs> nice sword play. <laughs> I mean, good feedback does help make the show better. 
Yes. Now, God as God. always, um, if you want to support us, also, you know, See. consider becoming a patron. Um, yeah. We give away a lot of content to our patrons. Um, so uh, check it out. But we would be remiss if we did not do what? A giveaway for some fat loots. Hell yes. We are going to make it rain on you guys. Okay. Uh, this week's <laughs> RPG Fat Loot Giveaway. Uh, Grunach's Guide to Elements. Elementals. <sighs> it's okay, I still love you. A selection With of... Exci- <laughs> <Any> <laughs> a selection of exciting new creatures to add depth and variety to the elementals. Each new elemental type has also been split, split. between lesser or CR3, and greater, or CR7, for even greater possibilities to throw at your players. That means 10 new elements and 20 <laughs> new creatures. Alright, who's our winner today, Brandon? Our winner is Surging Water. If you didn't win, no problem. Head on over to CritAcademy.com. Subscribe for your chance to win. All you have to do is sign up for our newsletter. And you get free loot just signing up. Motherfucker. That's selling loot. All right. I think that'll do it for our show today. I just want to say thank you to everyone that's joined us. If you're here on TikTok, if you're here on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook, whatever it is, thank you so much for watching us, our stupid asses. We appreciate it um, because I feel like you probably have more important things to do. Sit around and watch our stupid Stupid shit. So thank you for your time. I'm sure that's a completely different website. Stupid shit. We do have a talk show. Um, (laughs) So we talk a lot. So keep an eye out. Uh, We got some plans coming in to redo all this stuff, so I'm really excited. Uh, That'll do it for our show today. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Ready? Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. I told you I'm blind. Elementals. I literally made it huge for you. Well, he was reading. <laughs> Did you not notice I, I increased reading. the size significantly? No, I'm, I'm oh, my list, goodness. I'm also dyslexic. Or, what? Damn it, I'm di- <laughs>